Hey, it's Chris Urban. Welcome to the Triple Clicks Video Game Marketing Podcast. We recorded this at E3 in the JW Marriott at LA Live, which to those in the industry know this is the true epicenter of the show. I was able to steal an hour away from the always gracious Aaron Greenberg's time to sit down and talk all things E3 and gaming. As the GM of Xbox Games and Marketing, this has to be one of the busiest days of the year for him, so I really appreciated the opportunity to sit down and talk about the early days of Xbox, the evolution of their E3 briefings, the importance of fans, and how the Keanu moment came together. I hope you enjoy the conversation. This is the biggest guest we've ever gotten on the Triple Clicks podcast. Aaron Greenberg, General Manager of Xbox Games and Marketing. At E3, a big moment. Thank you. Like, you are the most popular person here. Thank you for taking the time and coming up here. Oh, man, this is like a highlight for me. I don't think you... It's funny. I don't know how I'm possibly the biggest name because I have enjoyed all of your episodes. And I've been enjoying the podcast, so it's just an honor to be able to <laughs> take and part of building the world's one and now the greatest video game marketing podcast. I appreciate that. I like Joe's the the movie star and Nathan's got the number one listens on his podcast, so we just gotta make sure that we bump in. I did um don't tell Joe, I don't know if he's listening, but I skipped Joe to listen to Nathan. I just wanna be like I understand Joe's a big name and he's famous and all that and I love he's got his own D and D brand and everything now. But um I mean come on. He'll understand Nathan Stewart you, is a video game. There's legend. many you and I should do a separate podcast on poker games because I've heard a, a lot of the secret poker games back in the day. Nathan so. and I grew up in video games and yeah, some of us are still growing up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for people who are just listening and, and meeting you for the first time, which is a very small amount of people since you have a huge fan base, what are your day-to-day responsibilities at Xbox? Um, basically middle management uh, at Microsoft. Um, this is playing I, that, you're playing that down quite a bit. <laughs> uh, somehow I have convinced uh, Phil Spencer and the overlords at Microsoft to give me my dream job, which is running games marketing. Um, for Xbox. So my team, I lead a team of global product marketers that oversee um, our games marketing for our first party studios. So, you know, Halo, Forza, Gears, all the new studios uh, that we've been acquiring over the last year, um, as well as all of our third party partners. Um, So I have folks working with EA, Activision, Ubisoft, et cetera. And then as part of that, also have a team of business planners. Um, yeah, so I get to work with all the teams making games, and it's pretty pretty rad. Which is amazing. Uh, so everybody knows we have a relationship. I worked on Madden for a long time, and you were at Xbox before that. But when I first started my agency, do you remember how we got connected for the first time? I don't. I just remember like the legend of Chris Herb <laughs> that I knew through other people, and I always saw your work. Like I study video game marketing. I mean, people. It's part of this. Like I look at every ad, every partnership, everything. I look at copy. I look at how do things start. What's the call to action? I like. I love this. The art and the science of it. And like you just were doing epic stuff and I didn't Thank actually you. know you, but I was like, wow, this guy over there is doing epic stuff and he's special. Well, I appreciate that. We, uh, we had not met. I, I had heard your name. I knew you were a big deal. I wasn't big enough to talk to you, but, um, I was, so I was doing the Madden stuff. I left, I decided to start my own marketing agency and I got a, a random call from Evan Goldberg. Hmm. Um, and he said, Hey, uh, I'm doing a movie with Seth Rogen, and everybody said I should talk to you about marketing. And I was like, are you being serious right now? And they're like, listen, the, the studio model doesn't really work. Video game marketing is is always the best marketing. We asked a ton of people, and they 
everybody kind of came back to you and it was, I think it was for the, the interview, the movie for the interview. And I also think that they had that Sony Nintendo book, book they were working on. And so I gave them a bunch of strategy and we had talked for, for an hour or two. And at the end of the call, I was like, who, like, can you give me a name of someone who referred me? Cause I was still a little bit in shock and they said Aaron Greenberg at Xbox. And I was like, Oh, like for you to refer me, it was like you and I didn't have a relationship. It was super meaningful. So I know that I called you, I sent you a note and said, thank you. And we met up at E3 and then, you know, I think I pitched you the business. I, I was like, all right, cool. That guy likes me. So I'm going to try and get him to hire me. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think you could always admire people's work, you know, like a film director or someone that's doing just incredible work in their space. And yeah, I do remember there was like a Hollywood agent or somebody had called me and they said, Hey, we're working with Seth Rogen on this film. We need someone. We want to, we, we want to find the best video game market out there to help us with this thing. And I was like, you should call Chris Herb. Yeah, and that uh, that's awesome. And then I actually remember at E3 five years ago, five years ago this week, mm-hmm. I had convinced uh, the team to give me my dream job, uh, which is this. And you were the first person I met with because you had started Triple Clicks. Like literally a week and a half ago. And we like sat earlier. outside the Marriott, JW Marriott, for people that come to E3 in the industry know that's the place. And I think we sat outside and uh, we just walked through your agency and what you were doing. And Yeah. You, you were, we there. had, I think we had a Dungeons and Dragons was my first like client. They were like, yeah. I, I have no idea what you're doing, but like you could try and do this stuff for us. I bet you in that deck that I pitched you, I probably had, uh, Keely's name in it. Cause, did. Cause Keely were and I partner were with him. Yeah. We were partnering and he was helping me set this up. Just give me advice on kind of what was missing in those kind of things. So, uh, yeah. Keely so and I have talked about what big fans we are of yours. So oh, I know, I appreciate I know that. the, uh, this, I mean, the, this is not what this this podcast no, is about. It is, but, not, it is about um, it is about you and uh, <laughs> your glorious moment. Your glorious moment at E three. No, no. Before we get into all that, what were you doing before Microsoft? Uh, I grew up down here in Southern California. I worked uh, for a couple different consumer product companies. I was working um, uh, for Disney and consumer products when Microsoft came calling back in ninety seven. Um, I remember. They were very aggressively recruiting me. They would call me all the time. Um, and listen, I thought, man, I live here in L.A. I'm working for Disney and consumer products. Where were you living? Were you in? I was out in Calabasas. Uh, so you were in my neighborhood. Yeah, Because totally. I knew you grew up out there. Totally. So you drove to Disney I on the 101? I Canyon in Calabasas. Uh, what a drive every and, day to Disney. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a rough drive. Brutal. My folks were out in Agora, Westlake Village area. And... Uh, yeah, and so yeah, I did that drive to. I was in the Disney Channel building. Um, everybody knows that. Uh, and so yeah, yeah. And then I was like, no way, I ever want to move to Seattle because it rains all the time. You know, people down here. That's, <laughs> that's what you think. Uh, and this guy I work with, really sharp guy, Harvard MBA, was like, listen, it's a free trip. Just go to Seattle. Like, go learn, go whatever. And I'd never been. I went to Seattle. I was blown away. It is so beautiful. Just the mountains, the lakes, the rivers, the the people there are like super high quality. And, you know, I started hanging out in like downtown Seattle. You know, L.A. didn't really have a downtown then. Mm-hmm. And, and then the big thing was I went and interviewed at Microsoft. And every person I talked with in each of like the respective departments was like the smartest person I'd met like in that area. You met with a finance person or you met with a marketing person or they were just next level above the type of people that I had met at other companies. And yeah, it kind of blew me away. And I literally, no family, nothing, just moved to Seattle by myself uh, and started a whole new adventure uh, 21 years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I did that similarly with my wife and to Florida. 
like when I took when I took the EA job, I just got to take the shot. You know, it's for you. I'm sure it was. Look, it's Microsoft, and they're doing something amazing. And I was like, look, it's EA. So that was for Tiburon, like yeah, in Orlando. Yeah. yeah. So I. I got recruited. I was at Wizards at the time, and I got recruited. Uh, Tom Getty was there. Mm. Who had, we had worked together at, at mm. Wizards, and uh, they had an opening for Madden. And so I was like, oh, Madden. Like trying to convince your wife to move to Florida is tough from Seattle. So yeah. So it had to be Madden. You know, it had to be something big. So Madden's a great franchise. Yeah, it was. And amazing. the marketing sat in the studio there. Yeah, there was literally, they had just, Steve Chang, who I'm going to do a podcast Big with. Big fan of Steve Chang. I literally got him committed to do the podcast oh, yeah. this week. I'll so listen to yeah, that. It's going to yeah. be amazing. Yeah. So he, yeah, they had they had done marketing in San Francisco and the production out there. And when he started that, they they started to build, Todd Citron had moved out there and was running yeah. marketing. Smart dude. And he's super good dude. He's still in DA, right? Yeah, he's still yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, he's super. He like runs like, the whole thing or something, I, right? Every day of my entire decade there, I reported to Todd. Yeah. Like, great guy. Like Todd a lot. And they, I think there's 500 people in the building, and 492 of them were, were developers. And there's like just the yeah. eight of us, his little squad in there. So I reported to Todd, but okay. really everybody was in San Francisco, so it was a lot of back and forth, but yep. a, a great setup. So when you started Xbox, you worked on the first Xbox launch. I did. What? What were you doing? Like, what was the what was that team like? So my was background was actually I had my background was in data and analytics, and I would build a lot of models and forecasting models, and did a lot of different kind of research projects, and so competitive analysis. And so actually, originally at Microsoft, I was doing forecasting for all of our products in Latin America. I did that for a couple of years, and then the small team of people had basically convinced Bill and Steve. Uh, uh, Bill Gates, Gates, Steve Ballmer, Steve Ballmer. Uh, yes. Uh, the so. Clippers at owner, Microsoft, we just so, call him Steve. The, yeah, the, the, ch- the guy that runs the <laughs> yes. charity and the Clippers owner. Yes. We're getting together uh, to go invest and build a home console, and this uh, was like in the PS2 Dreamcast days, if you remember. So mm-hmm. in early two thousand, they greenlit. There was kind of this famous. Uh, if you read the books about the history of Xbox, there's this thing they call the Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah, what is it? Tell us. Just, I that? wasn't in the room. I wasn't on the team at the time. But the short version, as I understand it, was everyone stayed late, and it was this like big go no go decision. On Valentine's missed, Day, everyone no missed their Valentine's dates, and you know, so you can imagine significant others and restaurants and everything was all you know. You listen, you can screw up a lot of things. Don't screw up Valentine's, right? I mean, this is a pro tip to <laughs> all men and women out there with significant others, uh, and. But came out of that, they were like, great, we're going to go do it, and we're going to hire a team. And that was in February, and then I started a couple months after that. Um, and I was basically the first person doing all the data analytics, working on research, things like that. And it was fun. I went off to Japan. I went and met with a bunch of folks. You know, there wasn't, like, internet and social media back then, so you had to actually go meet with people and fly around the world to learn and figure out things. Uh, how did the business model work and how much do things cost to do and what genres sold where and why and what kind of games should we make and what should, you know, everything. We were, we were starting from like scratch. Was, was that, was Robbie Bach? Robbie Bach was the chief Xbox officer. Okay. From day one, from, from yes. the launch. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, I think there was a, someone that was kind of there for a period of time before him, but I didn't. I didn't know him. Okay. I knew Robbie. So Robbie. I mean, Robbie's the the one that's always credited as driving the whole thing. Yeah. I just didn't know where he. And was. I was super junior then. Yeah. I was, you know, like just an analyst. But you and worked. You worked pretty. What did you? You managed a lot on the three hundred and sixty. 
Yeah, so I led a team called the um, the basically Business Insights team. I had a small team. I used to get to present to Robbie on a regular basis, and there was a, we were a really small team. We were actually we started in like one corner of one building. Mm-hmm. There was like one alias. I remember there was like one email alias, and I remember like. Jay or Cameron, some of the early founders, Jay like they had like Jay Allard would have like mm-hmm. extra like Supersonics tickets and they'd like email the team, hey, if anyone wants to go to the Sonics game tonight, we got an extra pair of tickets kind of thing. Yeah. And they would just send it out and it would be, you know, a small group of us. I always liked that you guys were off campus because you were trying to build your own brand and build your own IP. That was we were. Uh, talk about that because I think that's really what started this thing was just how it wasn't a corporate thing. It was Yeah, we ended up so we ended up in the 360 days, heading into 360. You know, at the original Xbox was just like learning the business. We kind of get the console launched. We really you hit a home run with built Halo. the foundation around power. Halo was a, in many ways, um, yeah, Halo was a huge breakout hit. Yeah, but um, I remember buying it literally for that. Yeah, at the Everybody time did. I was working at Wizards, I wasn't in the gaming industry. Huge gaming fan, and I in Microsoft. I'm in Seattle. I want this. I want the Seattle box. Yeah, but I was like, oh shit, this game is great. Like I remember staying up many nights playing Halo. I did the forecasts basically for our model for how much we we're going to sell of each of our games. And we did not predict Halo would be the number one selling game. Well, what would you, what would you uh, have? Munch's Odyssey was supposed to be the mm. best selling game. You guys marketed And Halo actually had kind of a mixed reception at E3 that year. Um, but the team at Bungie landed the product. Uh, the controls were amazing. I mean, come on. It's yeah. like it's perfect. just one of the greatest video yeah. games of all time. And it blew up. It blew up. It was the killer app. It was there at launch. Uh, and it was just fun wave to ride. So, yeah. So, there's that. On the 360 Wait, I, days, wait one more. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what else I loved on yeah, that? Yeah. Perfect Dark Zero. Yes. The machine gun you could put up <laughs> against the wall. It was like, for me, that was like, it, maybe it was just that gun, but I absolutely love that as well. Sorry. I just, no, no, no. I well, couldn't PDZ let that slide. was Xbox 360. Oh, was that 360? Yes, that was 360. Right, my bad. Yeah, that's all right. Let's get, well, let's get to that because I don't know what I'm talking about. It's a about good segue. Yeah, it's a yeah. good game. 360. Um, Yes. So, you so we were at the end. Uh, we were basically kind of flying the pirate flag. We were um, at the. We were way down at this, like almost like the end of this road. There were no other buildings there. There was like a cement factory right across the street from us. You always used to get dings in our in our <laughs> windows in our car. So um, we were like a renegade team off. We built all our own stuff. You know everything: the OS, the Xbox Live, everything from scratch. Wow. And uh, yeah, and so I got to work on 360, which was really fun. Um, and talk yeah. about. Uh, you know, the space was elevating as you guys were, you know, as the competition really came in for for Sony and for Nintendo and everything, I think the space really started to elevate. We're, we're sitting at E3 having this conversation. I remember you guys really elevating uh, the stage performance, mm-hmm. what, the, the briefing that we mm-hmm. just had yesterday. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about, like, how did... How did that grow to the level it is? I think Spike TV was the first one yeah. that really. Can you? T- I know you were involved in that. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. So I did eventually move out of running kind of the data and analytics and stuff and the research stuff into product marketing. So I did Xbox Live product marketing in the very, very early days, um, really helping us get the service launched and the kind of the foundation around that, Xbox Live Gold and those things. And then... Um, and then I moved into a role where kind of I oversaw a lot of our corporate communications and was leading all of our global events as well. And so for me, I had always looked at other forms of entertainment and the shows that they were producing. And 
I knew that gaming, you know, at the time, gaming had like just surpassed like the movie industry. Yeah. And but the production of the shows we were putting on didn't match the scale of our business. We were having opening weekends that were beating, you know, Spider-Man and things like that at the mm-hmm. time. And so, yeah, so worked with the team and we one really moved with the mindset of we wanted to build a show designed for TV. Uh, which at the time gave us the biggest scale. And yeah, so we were on Spike. We worked with Jeff um, and Kevin uh, and the team at Spike back in the early days. And yeah, so we did, I think the first official E3 that I kind of led the planning on for that was 2009. We opened with the Beatles and we closed with Steven Spielberg where he un- unveiled Project Natal. Hmm. Yeah. And the Beatles is rock band at the time. Beatles rock band. Yeah, yeah. What are your? Yeah, I mean that's. That I mean that's exactly where the the industry should go. So you yeah. were like leading that was. Mm-hmm. I mean because I think we we laugh like I think the movie industry they don't like CinemaCon and Vegas isn't a thing. Like I mm-hmm. I was just at the marketing. I was just at the marketing show and they should be streaming their marketing. Like Disney has spent three hours pitching other brands on what's coming in the next year and a half and everyone's leaving hyped. I'm like, why how are you not streaming this? Like I know you gotta take out a couple things here and there, but like this is so consumer friendly, exactly what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. So I think what you what you've kind of led to is exactly where this space should be. If if you had to think of, I mean the Beatles and Spielberg, it's tough to top. Like, what are your biggest moments that you've just over like from the stage which like Holy cow moments! Like, well, we'll talk about Peter, but the Peter Moore and the tattoos. But like, is yeah, there? I was there there I, in the green room. I mean, it was fun. Moments. I feel so lucky. I've got to be in those back rooms, whiteboarding, writing scripts, helping strategize. What do we launch? When do we launch it? Um, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, I was there for Muhammad Ali. I mean, yeah, great. And the thing moments. was, here's the thing: when I was five years old, I wrote a letter to Muhammad Ali, and he wrote me back. Did he really? He did, and I was in the green room with him, talking to him about it, and it was just so touching to be there with him uh, when we announced Xbox Live, yeah. uh, and Robbie and Don were on stage together. Yeah, that was the uh, first. That was right before I got there. And all the athletes came out. Yeah, so it's been fun. I would say, you know, the thing to your point is that. We, I always felt like we had invested so much in E3 and there was opportunity to drive more scale and to create a show that people would want to watch and be entertained by. And we learned. We made a lot of mistakes. But we tried to learn from those mistakes and we would continue to grow our audience. And no matter who was doing something at E3, we were, for many years, and even continues to this day, reaching the largest audience. Yeah. Um, and we invested in a premium show. And it used to be about getting to TV. We're the only ones that are on TV. That's why we went in Monday morning slot. Yeah. Um, because you, you can't really buy out you know, Monday evening primetime. But Monday morning, you know, uh, we broadcast it for the first time live ever in Times Square. With whole br- our whole briefing ran live in Times Square. Mm. First time we ever did that. That's awesome. Um, and then now, um, you know, it's all about um, streaming and being able to reach the largest possible audience that way. Um, and so we are plat- technically on TV, but really, you know, now Ke- it's like totally reversed. Yeah, Keely talks about it. He doesn't want to be on TV. Like, yeah, I can be on TV. Just put Twitch on TV, and I'm on TV. Like, right. it's le- it's 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 the platform. And I what I think this leads to to me is you guys of all the other platforms or partners out there fans first like fan friendly and it's yeah. i feel like it's not just a marketing gimmick you i mean you, the followers and people see your twitter and your instagram accounts mm-hmm. i know that on instagram you connect with almost every person that tags you if you can right like yeah it's hard for me on twitter because it's so many people but the volume i can say that on instagram Every single fan who messages me, I write them all back. 
So, I mean, that's, um, that's, and that is a personal thing that I just do because it, I enjoy it. I like, to me, they're like part of the extended family. I grew up in this industry. They're part of the family. And we, by the way, we love the same things. We love gaming. We love Xbox. We, you know, and I learn about these, these people, where they're from, what they're into. And then when I see them at events, we have this like amazing connection. And, you know, I think, yeah, I, I'm a people person and I love people, but we have like so much in common and to be able to have a network of people of that many that we can all stay connected in this way. You know, I go to Germany and I go to Gamescom and I have a bunch of people there that I know and love and we all hang out and I go to lunch with some of our fans and like you, yeah, I saw you the other night and you had like, like we were literally, I was at the Mexican, you didn't see me. I was at the Mexican restaurant with a team and I saw you outside. You got approached by like 20 people. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. amazing, but it's, it it's, is, but it you, is. And yeah, I know you actually thing, love here's it. Here's the thing. Like I know them and they know me. This isn't like someone comes up for an autograph or whatever. Yeah. Like we're coming up to tell stories and Hey, what did you see last night? Did you see that thing I posted? And did you play this? And I want to hear people's feedback, you yeah. know? And so, uh, it's awesome to be in an industry where you have fans that are so passionate about what you do Yeah. and then, and they care so much and they will give you real time feedback. And the power of that as a marketer, um, you know, uh, is just incredible. And I think about even five years ago, you know, we similar with the TV thing, but it was like five years ago, I was like, listen, we're spending all this money on E3. We fill our arena with people who sit on keyboards and just type. It's so painful. Like we're, these games are like for our fans and people, there's like no applause. Like people are just sitting there and it's like dead. And it's like, why don't we let the fans in? Like, I bet you if we did this, here's just let me try this. Here's this, here's this idea. I'll go to the Microsoft store. I'll give out tickets. I'll give out a couple hundred tickets. We'll call this thing FanFest. No one has to spend any more money. We'll just save me some seats. That's it. Yeah. And then I just beg, borrowed, and still to put some swag bags together and things like that. And we and what happened was, so we're having dinner a couple nights before E3, and we see this post. People are sleeping out hmm. to come to a free event. Like, that's the power of gaming. Yeah. And so we started to go down and bring them pizza and food because our fans, they literally were sleeping and the sprinklers turned on. It was so horrible. The sprinklers turned on. Where is this? Is in LA? This is in LA, the Century City Microsoft yeah, that's store. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. And, uh, but it was just this, like, because I see these fans and they're all like, I wish I could go. I wish I could be yeah. there. And it's like, well, why, why are they not here? And this year was the most fans we ever had. We had 700 FanFest members, and we had another 800 that we gave just briefing tickets to. So we had the most fans ever in our briefing, and probably the most fans ever at like a E3 briefing period. And these aren't people like, there's there's some people that pay to have the front 20 rows with like one United no. is bringing in people. Like these that are like the people that we are, said was, listen, we're going to put the fans down front. Yeah. No, you're and you didn't, and you're not kind of like, checking them out and making sure they have an Xbox account. Like, this is all just authentic. Like, hey, It is. It is. Kid. And, hey, listen, if a PlayStation fan comes and has never known an Xbox, cool. Like, I want to get to, like, come yeah. see what it's about. Learn what, the, what we're about. And that's okay. Like, it's not which piece of hardware you happen to buy. It's that we have a common love of gaming, and hopefully you enjoy the show and have a good time and you meet some people. And Yeah. No, yeah. I think it's great. There's one. No one else is really doing that in the space, I think. And I'm going to have Munson on to talk about FanFest. Yeah. This week. Munson was there with me from the beginning. Yeah. Now he runs it. It's like his, a big totally. part of his job. Totally, yeah. yeah. And so I want to talk to him it's about great. that. The only person I remember that this is disengaged is someone that you and I both re- reported to, Peter Moore. Mm. Peter was always... 
Peter good was a about legend. that too. What? Well, t- give, give me a Peter. I'm gonna have Peter on. Like he's too busy winning championships right now, but we've connected. Yeah. I'm gonna have him on. But give me a give me some good Peter Marsh stories. So I worked for Peter when he ran marketing for Xbox, and he ended up running all of Xbox. Um, <clears throat> I can say nothing but great things about Peter from yeah. beginning to end. He is a class act. I've always admired him. He was the person that would walk around the office. He would know every person's name. He'd know your family. He'd know where you went to school. You worked in the mailroom. You delivered packages. Peter knew you. He would stop to talk to you. Like the world needs more people of that kind of quality, like yeah. Peter Moore. He, and, his uh, memory is unbelievable. Like, it he is unbelievable. Everything he would. He's met my wife ten times, but like the first six times, like he's like, "Hey, Julie, how are you? I know you're da 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 da." Oh, like just everything. Like unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. And I, I became friends with his kids. Are great. Just he's just um, he's oh, he's awesome. And. You know, and the, he would go and connect with the fans. You're right. Yeah. And that was, you know, I think Peter and I shared that passion for sure. Uh, he was also a great consumer marketer and had that kind of consumer DNA mm-hmm. and really had that like obsession about customers and the players and how are they going to think about things and what are they going to want? And, you know, and so, um, the tattoos, well, how did the tattoo thing come? <laughs> uh, where did that come from? I don't know that's how much just of that a- story I could tell, but, but, you know, we had this whole thing about like, so I, I don't know on the Halo one if that was his idea or one of our other folks' idea, but I was in the room when we had got Grand Theft Auto and revealing Grand Theft Auto, mm-hmm. and we had written that line. I think it was something like, save the big guns for the big guns, and we had the exclusive <laughs> uh, DLC with GTA, mm-hmm. and so we brought in the tattoo artist to do his other arm. Peter, I don't know how much Peter's told about the story about the tattoos and their authenticity or not. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to break it. Yeah, no, I, I hope people don't think that that's a legit Halo Three. <laughs> like, uh, oh, well, I'll do I don't know phone. if he showed his arms, but Peter, we, but listen, it was fan lore and fans loved it. Yeah, you know? and like that is like just fun. That magic, that fun, that joy that people get from things like that. When Peter rolled, and he was a showman, and like yeah. I mean. That people love that, and, yeah. But it has to be true to your style. Like Phil has a different style, and we love hundred percent. Phil Phil's spectacular. Like I absolutely love Phil. Like Peter. Yeah. Like getting a senior level person to do that and roll a sleeve up is one thing. Yeah. Like I, I, he debuted some games this year, and when when Phil talks, like I like I stop and listen. Like if you're talking yeah. about it, this is a serious thing. You know right. what I mean? Like well, Phil's a developer. He grew up a developer. Mm. He's super connected to the developers. You sit in reviews with him on products, and he goes super deep. He really cares. He plays the games. He's super deep on it. No one at his Peter levels. was more of a marketer and more consumer-minded. Super good marketer, yeah. but I don't think anybody at, at, at Phil's level is like cares more about the games and the quality of the nope. games than that guy. Like mm-hmm. It's unbelievable what he's been yeah. doing. So Yeah, and it's really genuine, and he's really consistent and really grounded in um, – what he believes in and why, and his principles, which is which you know I admire a lot. Yeah, and he's a thousand percent on the fans first kind of thing, which mm-hmm. is which is really important because I've seen Phil will equally he will stand there and sign autographs and take pictures with fans for hours. Yeah, and hours. And you never hear lines. a no story of like I didn't get to say hi no. or I didn't like. There's nothing like no. Always. He'll stop and he'll just start talk to people and engage with them no matter who they are and hear their story. Um, very, very, very genuine. And to be able to work with people like that, they're rare in this industry. 
Yeah, uh, for sure. Build with people like that, you know, over the years. Robbie was the same. Really high quality people. I feel super fortunate. Yeah, no, and I think that, that comes through. So let's get to what we're here. What, what do we do? We're in Los Angeles. You guys yeah. had a briefing yesterday that was spectacular. I think there was a, a amazing moments. I'll ask you where the Keanu Reeves moments ranks with Muhammad and everything else, which is spectacular. But how did um, how do you think the briefing landed? Like I thought it was. I was in the audience. You're behind backstage. It landed really well with us. Are you guys happy with what came out? Let's talk a little bit about the briefing yesterday. Yeah, I mean, for us, the briefing is all about for the fans. And we, I think, delivered really big on games, 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 you know, 60 games. Uh, it was awesome to be able to now Game Pass is you know now the leading game subscription service in video games and we have so much support not just from our first party but also third party partners um, indie studios that over half of all those 60 games we showed are actually premiering at launch in game pass yeah um, so that just shows the growth and maturity of that service and that service is you know stay on that service that you added PC and then you rolled Xbox live in so now you've got ultimate it's pretty much all you need for this space that's correct at, I mean, that value is, and this isn't a marketing pitch for that, but like I'm sitting there going like, holy cow, like I think it's a little bit of everything you need. And we've always joked about it. And I don't, I don't think I'm allowed to say the Netflix of gaming, but like it's better. Like it's everything. It's your, it's your service to get online. It's all the PC stuff. It's all your trials of everything you would ever want to play. It's just a, it's just an amazing s- service who like there was risk in launching that. What's the strategy behind game pass and, and, and and why Game Pass and and how are we? Going? Yeah, I mean, I think people can compare it to video streaming services or music streaming, but the difference with gaming, you know, is that for a lot of people that make games, being in Game Pass will actually allow their games to be discovered. Mm-hmm. And we're finding a lot of games that maybe you know, f- first people know this or not. Most games lose money, and most games don't reach success. Mm. It's a, it's, it's an, it's the saddest part of our industry and people don't talk a lot about that. It's been five years and you put your whole life into that thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of incredible games, highly rated games, you know, 80 high 80 Metacritic games, 90 Metacritic games that don't sell, that don't get played, that people just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so first, I think something like Game Pass enables people to discover and find games they would have never played before because they're basically free as part of their yeah. service. And then two, for these developers, they're now able to go build an audience around those games. We talked about like Human Fall Flat or something like that that's like this kind of cool puzzle game that's an indie game that just you know wouldn't have stood out. But like people started trying it. It was in their queue, in their Game Pass queue. And then they're like, oh, wow, this game is really fun. And then they start sharing with their friends. And by the way, if you want to refer a game to a friend, they don't have to go buy it. It's in their cert if they're a Game Pass member or try Game Pass for free or whatever. So so suddenly the virality takes off around that. So that's one thing I think that's different about games. But then the other piece is from a business standpoint, you know, games are able to monetize as well beyond just the price of the game. And so that's something also that you don't get with video or music. Yeah. Um, and so if you're, hey, I'm some big third-party partner and I've got a big game and I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I just want more people to play my game, like uh, how that benefits me. Yeah. Um, for an indie game, it definitely does because now you would have never had an audience. You can now justify doing a sequel. You can, you can perhaps go support making a game you could never have made anyway. But now you get the monetization because if fans like your game, they'll go invest and support your game. They buy the DLC or they might buy in-game stuff or whatever it may be, um, and they're happy to do it because they're enjoying the game. Uh, And so that has the benefits as well. So I think that's one of the things that makes gaming... 
and gaming gaming subscription service like Game Pass uniquely different, um, and probably why sometimes people, yeah. uh, in, at least in our company, don't like the comparisons to other other. Sure, services. no, absolutely. I love. I think Sea of Thieves is always a great example too, yeah. which was a spectacular game from Rare. Yeah, and you just don't know how much. People are going to give it a shot. You yep. know, it's rare, so you're going to give it a shot, but not as broad. But when you drop that in Game Pass and everyone actually, oh, my God, this thing is amazing. And it just kind of grows into crazy levels. We have over 8 million people that have played Sea of Thieves across console and PC. We're going to be at 10 million before long. That's crazy. And a, a reasonable part of that is because of Game Pass. Um, and so that ability to try or get something as part of the service, it's changed by the, it's changed the industry. It's changed the way games are going to be made, how games are going to be discovered. It's changed how we market games, how we think about engagement. Um, and then the big commitment, as we've said, all of our first party Xbox game studio games available at launch included in the service. Yeah. And we don't just want this just to be a back catalog service. Um, and so... Yes, Gears of War 5 when it launches, in the service. Um, and the other cool thing is with Ultimate, we're going to put the Ultimate Edition of Gears in there as well. Yeah. So if you're getting Xbox Live Gold and Game Pass for console and Game Pass for PC, you get the Ultimate version of the game and play four days early and get on the add-on content. Like, what an incredible value. But that gets back to over-delivering on value for your customers. Yeah. That's one of our principles we believe in. Like, if you're really putting your customer first, you should give them so much value that they feel like the scale is heavily tipped in their favor. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times people hesitate to do that, but like, that's how you get top spin. That's how you get word of mouth. The most valuable marketing in the world is always word of mouth marketing. Always. Yeah. Referral from a friend, whether it's a car or a video game or whatever it may be. Um, and you can never underestimate the value of that. Yeah. 100%. Keanu Reeves coming out on stage. <laughs> like, yeah. it's become, like, in 24 hours, it's this huge viral kind of moment. <laughs> what, what was your, I mean, on your stage, in your moment, yeah. with, like, a spectacular game launching next April with uh, uh, Cyberpunk 2077? Give me your thoughts on the moment. Yesterday. Yeah, you know, we have been huge fans of the CG Project Red team, you know, for a long time. Uh, we partnered with them on Witcher 3. You know, we played The Witcher 2. Um, and it's been great working with them. They, you know, we did the whole hack the end of the yeah, briefing so last, last year, year with them. It was really fun. Those guys are great video game makers. They're great marketers. And they uh, have Keanu in the game. Yeah. And so as part of that, um, they had been working with him on this appearance and so with these things they're always complicated I would say in general insert celebrity into a video game event not generally a good idea um, because people want to hear about the games and you know yeah. so but wait a minute Keanu Reeves like I mean there's a few exceptions where like did they the pitch history, you the Keanu nerds, Reeves or was yes, it John oh, Wick it was 100% they, they didn't say like, was, we're gonna have John Wick there <laughs> it was Keanu and they're so great like they had scripted it they even created a little mock video of like another speech he'd gave where they like dubbed the words over it it was they had done it right they had given it care and thought and thought about every moment and it was amazing to see it come true because I was there sitting with the fans in the eye of the storm crazy. and the thing was, when they revealed that Keanu was in the game, just his character, the fans started jumping up, screaming, going wild. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, just wait. Oh, just wait. Yeah. Like, that was they, big, their that minds really, were blown. 
literally big enough to just to show him off there. And that's pro- usually the expectation. Like, oh, one yeah. more thing. He's in the game. Yeah. And then, of course, we built this great entrance where, like, it slid up. And then we had, like, the smoke. And you could just see the silhouette. And, people, and you knew before he walked out, you're like, holy crap, that's Keanu Reeves. And, and I think the thing I loved about it, one, was not just seeing the fans' reaction, but equally how... Like, you could see Keanu was equally surprised. Like, the passion and the excitement and the energy in this room. You know, listen, that guy goes to how many yeah. events and, you know, I'm sure, you know, he's, you know, at the Oscars and he did John Wick. And I think he just was at a Toy Story junket. And, you know, he's doing things all the time. Yeah. But I could tell you, because I watch the Oscars, I watch the Grammys, I watch all these things. None of those things compare in the energy that you get from, a, you know, 1,500 fans sitting there yelling, screaming. And one of our FanFest fans, Peter, the leader is his name, uh, yelled out, yelled out, you're breathless. You know, and he stops. Yeah. He goes, no, you're breathless. It was so <laughs> awesome. So we had like the raddest video game celebrity moment potentially of all time. That's a lot of people have said. No, it's t- and, 24 hours uh, later and we're already saying that. So it's yeah, blown it, up, the, the legacy will last. And he's, you know, you've got John Wick, you've got Bill and Ted, you've got yeah. Toy Story 4, you've got totally. The Matrix, you've got all the, I don't have to sell Keanu, but just have, having that moment, having him come out. He and, a whole Reddit of just awesome things that Keanu Reeves does, you know. And he just did, like about uh, two weeks ago, they had that walkout. There, it started. It was trending about yep. him walking out. I don't know if it was Ellen or whatever. And like, dub your what? What's the music you should dub to this? So it's like so. Topical. I saw that and I thought, ooh, this this could be good because yeah. I knew he was going to be on our stage. Um, but you know what's interesting is like the Beatles. We were rehearsing. And, you know, we do the rehearsals and someone stands in and we have a fake code name. We don't say what it is and all this. So no one on my team knew either. They're like, I didn't know who that was going to be. It was just had a Mr. Fake name. And and then the, the more and listen, until the morning of when the Beatles show up, yeah. we don't know if the Beatles are really going to be there. You know, the Beatles say they're coming, but they're the Beatles, you yeah. know, <laughs> same. It's like Keanu Reeves. It's like, OK. Tomorrow morning, you know, and I always ask the team because I'm thinking about all, I'm like, what happens if Keanu Reeves doesn't show up tomorrow morning? I mean, we have our show. The so. door doesn't slide open. Correct. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you he showed and he delivered and uh, the rest is history. That was a great moment. Yeah. So congrats. Congrats on yesterday. Congrats Thank on what's you. coming on. If you had to talk about the, what are you excited about the future of gaming? I'm going to let you go with this last question, but like, what, what, what are the big things that you're excited about? I mean, I, there's a whole, you guys are doing so many things right now, but for the, for the industry, what? Let's get you excited. I think the thing I'm most excited about is, you know, I work with people that are incredible artists and creators that create these amazing stories, these interactive experiences, these moments that I share with friends that we all talk about in the office or we talk about, you know, outside of work. And and today, most of those experiences require you to buy a console and to um, buy an Xbox, which is okay. And by the way, that's great. We're going to make a Pays the Project Scarlet and make a new console and all that. But there's 2 billion people playing video games on this planet, and uh, a large majority of them don't ever get to experience the games that we make that people love, love. Um, and so that... You know, just there's so many human stories. You know, I meet people here. There's couples here that met playing Gears of War that got married. You know, there's a there was a, a husband wife at FanFest yesterday. They came up to me and told me about their autistic son and how video games that he plays on Xbox and it's the only moment of the day where their son gets centered and is calm and like can just have a moment of peace mm-hmm. and it gets lost in this world and goes and creates and and uh, and so, but. To be able to take those types of experiences to people all over the world, 
And, you know, like I think about Africa as an example. In Nigeria, three quarters of the people have smartphones. They don't have any consoles there, largely. No. But so for us with like things like game streaming and other things that are happening, we're going to be able to bring our games to more devices, to more people around the world. And so that gets me really, really excited. Um, and then I'd see equally all the new creative talent that's being added. We've more than doubled. We now have 15 Xbox game studios. Um, we didn't even talk about Tim Schafer yesterday, which is amazing. <laughs> I mean, huge fan. So like that, same here. Yeah. And I just have got to work with him the last few weeks and um, he's, like, not only a great game creator, he's also hysterically funny. Uh, if you saw the videos that they put out, they made their own videos about the announcement for their community, um, which, like, I was in tears laughing so, so hard. Um, and so, yeah, it's just fun. Listen, we're so lucky to get to work in an industry that we love what we do and can uh, work with talent like this. And for Tim to be able... You know, whether it's in Exile or Obsidian or Ninja Theory or these teams that all make incredibly high-quality games, um, really creative teams, we can help bring their games to a larger audience, whether it's through our marketing, through being able to provide them the support to go reach their creative visions with the games, or putting their games in things like Game Pass. Like Those are all kind of strategic uh, and business capabilities that we can unlock for them so they don't have to fly around the world and pitch their games to people to try to get them to pay for the games or crowdfund every game, and it's make or break depending on, you know, or they'd have to go make games they don't want to make just to pay the bills. So, you know, to me, that's really cool. So I think those are the two things I'm probably most um, excited about, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for coming up here. I know literally your time is so valuable this week, so super appreciate this. Uh, it's very kind. I'm a huge fan of yours, Chris, and the team at Triple Clicks, and I love what you guys are doing. Um, as I said, I, I love video games. I love marketing, and uh, I have listened to every episode up through Nathan Stewart. So um, I, I'm like, I am a, uh, can you please keep doing this? And the, you're, you're on episode nine, I think, based on the latest yeah, count. we just had Tyler from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's right That's hand great. for that stuff. So we're, we're trying to branch out. We're going to do random stuff. I've got some fun people that are not video game industry people, but they love games. So a little bit of backstory on some of the, I think Ski's fun story. Ski was amazing. amazing. I learned stuff about Keeley and some of the early days and how he wrote that letter to the Sierra online people, like stuff I didn't know about Keeley. No, super fun. I just feel like the space is open. I'm, if we get six listeners, I'm happy. I just having being able to sit here and have this conversation with you is, is awesome. We've known each other for a while and we've never had to take the time. So I, I really appreciate this. Great. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for coming.